0: Hi, Eric Johnson here today with This is Vanderbilt Business. And I'm here today with Mike Dallas. Mike is a Senior Vice President of Human Resources for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Uh, great to have you there. Yeah, great to be here, Eric. Thank yeah, you. So glad you're here today. And uh, you've been here today as part of our Leaders in Residence program. And uh, it's a new program uh, that we just started this year and uh, spent a couple days with our students. And now that it's wrapping up, I'm just curious a little bit
1: uh, to hear a little bit about your impressions for the, for the program. Sure, well, going into the program, it's always an interesting opportunity as uh, an alumni to come back and see what the school was like at this point in time, and as a business person to get to relay not just pieces of your company brand, but to put them in the context of how business is changing, and so the opportunity to spend what was effectively a day and a half with um, 14 really excellent students, mixture of first year, second year, EMBA, Lots of good questions, we mixed a a case in as well, and so I think the program opportunity, now that the school's done three or four, it's really a great and unique chance to impart some of your own wisdom, but really get something out of it from the students and made a lot of good connections, it was great. Neat, what were some of the themes that came out of your
0: conversations with the students?
1: Sure, well we spent a lot of the time mainly focused on mergers and acquisitions as a concept, and then Mm -hmm. certainly how they apply in technology you know given the HPE side of things and and I'd say the themes were robust as you might imagine but really if I compartmentalize them into how do you take a company's core business strategy and then look at an acquisition not only from just the straight valuation perspective but the elements that go into augmenting your strategy and really coming up with an investment thesis so we spent a fair amount of time talking about people who are bullish or bearish on acquisitions and why that might be the elements of human capital that certainly go into whether an acquisition itself is effective brand and the, and the element of the acquiring company's brand and what happens when you acquire something else certainly at Hewlett-packard we've had a lot of experience both acquiring and altering our brand and, and what was interesting is the the participants in the program, some came just to learn. They didn't know anything about acquisition. Some had had practical working experience, and so the ability to apply some cross industries to some of the case stuff we looked at was, was really pretty interesting.
0: And you've been on both sides of M&A activity, both as helping acquire a dozen or so companies and leading the divestiture of a, a half a dozen or more companies. Um, been on the wrong side of uh, hostile takeovers and all these kinds of things. Talk a little bit about the, the role HR plays in the integration of an
1: acquisition and sure. and a and, and divestiture. Well, sure. And it, it also builds on some of the, the thematic as well as what are your stakeholders in an, in an individual deal? What happened to get you to that circumstance? So certainly if you're in a position to be acquired The role human resources plays in understanding how to identify the talent you have, explain roles, responsibilities, how your connection to customer occurs, what are the critical pieces to keep going during the period of integration, how do you teach your company about the acquiring company's culture, demystify things that are going to happen, manage change. If you flip the equation and you're the acquiring company, the winner in the proverbial equation, the thing I think HR needs to do more of, and we've tried to be more empathetic to, is how do you keep your core business running well while you're diverting a lot of your attention units to the company and target you're acquiring? So for HR, it runs into buildings, people, organizational structures, IT systems. It's actually a little bit more glue than some might imagine in putting together the whole working environment. But it starts from understanding how does the business outcome occur, really understanding where the work occurs, what is the change that's occurring, how's it going to disrupt your your customers' buying patterns, how's it going to impact your partnerships, and what other things aren't you thinking about that your employees now have to deal with and finding a way to make people's jobs doable at the heart of the matter. And so in the series that you described of, of ones that have been you know, thrust upon us mm-hmm. or we've thrust upon others, if I came out with universal themes for why things work or don't, it often really just revolves around don't lose track of how your business works. Don't ignore your customers. Don't ignore your partners. Don't assume that your existing way of operating can handle either the new change, the new capacity. Having things work from day one is hard. Having people get paid, having systems and access work. And I think companies spend a lot of time, and HR spends a lot of time on things that seem bigger, bigger culture. We want to transform everything. Those things take more time than you typically have, <laughs> so get the right things done early is probably what I'd suggest. Get the trains running on exactly. time and avoid exactly. those
0: irritations that can really erode the, the culture and the, and, and and the success of the Yeah, integration. yeah. Exactly. It, it, it certainly has been, uh, I feel, the watchword this year. Uh, a new iron car was here a couple of weeks ago. She's a 99 grad you know, yeah. and head of M&A for North America at J.P. Morgan, and She's definitely uh, living a lot of M&A and activity and, and quite bullish on what this year is going to bring. So, so I guess there's more in the future for all of us. More to come, absolutely. Well, you know, the senior HR roles changed a lot uh, over your career, for sure. Absolutely. And, and, and being uh, a senior HR leader at, at uh, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, um, certainly you've seen a lot of change. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the role. Uh, today and you know maybe how it's changed and and uh,
1: as you think about where
0: it's going.
1: yeah, I think it's an interesting question Eric if you, if you look at human resources as a profession, like most professions it goes through series and iterations of what is the most important thing to be good at and, and for a lot of the early 21st century there was this common vernacular of the seat at the table and HR really trying to be, a better business partner and I think HR in certain ways, especially senior HR practitioners, got very wrapped up in having a point of view on marketing and trying to outmarket the CMO, <laughs> and having a point of view on finance and you'll uh, be a better CFO versus looking at how do we make better business outcomes through people. And so I see the role of a senior HR professional is to really understand the heartbeat of your company. As it relates to how your customers think of you, as how your employees or potential people looking to join your organization think of you, and how to put organizational constructs together that make sense from all those dimensions. A big role of a senior HR practitioner, and I've had the great fortune of working with many very talented senior business executives. Sometimes you're a coach, sometimes you're a mentor, sometimes you're a sounding board, but you really have to understand your role is to help all those around you be better and really link the senior leadership team in the right way. Sometimes that means holding the mirror up to the group, we're doing this wrong, we're really missing the signals from customers, shareholders, employees. I think that more, and we may talk about you know, the future of work and I get a lot of questions, you know, especially from an HR perspective, technology business systems globality are all elements that senior hr people need to be very versed in and be very open to the way your company is structured is going to change regardless of industry the role of data and big data is playing quite a bit on just how companies think about their relationships with their customers and from hr how do you handle that big data inflow into your environment and do things you need to also fiduciarily be responsible for in data privacy, in information exchange? There's a lot there, but I think the, the classic, if you believe in people and productivity and can be a good coach and sounding board, those are elements that still hold true. You probably have to do that with a tighter lens on how your business and business outcomes occur. And less about the transaction because transactions are more ubiquitous at current state and time.
0: Well, you're you're definitely nibbling around the edges sure. of this, but I'd love to have you comment a little bit about the role of HR versus the role of the employee, the employee's manager themselves. So you kind of have the, the manager, and you were talking about how sometimes you're coach, sometimes right. you're confident uh, sounding board, but. Tell us a little bit more about how those two roles break down.
1: Yeah, I'd say one universal truth I've seen in companies large and small is that the most important job anybody has is that first-line supervisor because you're touching the majority of the employee population. And I think HR is accountable for providing an ecosystem that the first-line manager can fulfill the relationship so what's in the relationship i think you need as a as a people manager to be able to clearly set what your goals and objectives are for your team what is their role what does success look like how do they fit together as a team you need to be able to live and convey your company's particular values what you believe in what your business is about. HR's role is to, I think, make that environment as easy for the people manager to focus on the business and that conversation with the person doing the job versus the HR program of the day. So HR should design, whether it's information systems that increasingly are becoming self-service, do benefits, to do payroll, to do other transactions, and teach the people managers how to work. That's great. Well, uh, uh,
0: tell us a little bit about your career path. I mean, how do you end up in a role like yours as a a senior
1: HR leader? How does does that progress coming out of a place like
0: uh, Owen?
1: So as I think about my career and coming out of Owen, I didn't really know what to think about. I I consciously, like many people come to Owen, intentionally was making a career switch from sales and marketing, and I knew I wanted to do something in the human capital space. Um, I thought it was going to be more learning, training, and development. I met uh, an alum of Owen who was coming up to represent a company called Compaq at the time, (laughs) hosting a, a lunch session for the marketing group, and he was just so fanatically energized around tech. This was the late 90s oh, just come down. I was all set to do something else, totally different industry in, in pharmaceuticals, do a standard um, HR job. I saw Compaq immediately really connected with just the the energy, the solution orientation. And really, it was a little bit of the Wild West in Houston at that time. If you were had aptitude and interest in doing things they would let you go do them and try them and so when I got there I was immediately thrust into a role to lead sales operations for a geography well that wasn't HR but I was in sales before at the NBA background. they're like well you'll get to manage people you'll get to influence people programs we'll get around to the HR stuff so through that, I ended up doing a lot in sales compensation, which starts to bleed into the total reward space of HR, Compaq, and, and part of the theme we've had today and with the, the Leader in Residence program and m I got involved in a lot of mergers and acquisitions, war on talent in the late 90s, and so worked my way through a lot of business assignments, really taking on... Complex projects. A theme of my career has been kind of in our most recent CEO, Meg Whitman, has used terms run to the fire, you know, to, to kind of embrace change and embrace, embrace complex situations. So, kind of worked my way up through sales operations, geographic work, MA. I spent a lot of time in the disciplines of HR, whether it's total rewards, whether it's talent management, and increasingly got more people and segment opportunities. I I found tech to be a series, and I've been with Hewlett Packard uh, Enterprise-related companies for over 20 years, a series of 18- to 20-month assignments. I've had over 20 leaders that I've worked for, multiple different roles, and it's been nothing but exciting. And I'd say coming out of Owen, I've found the skills i learned here to constantly be called upon. Even in HR, and, and I have a, a teenage son who often hear bits and pieces of business conversation he's like, that doesn't sound like HR to me because I'm talking about legal entity creation and I'm talking about our, our market share and I'm talking about supply chain efficiencies and it all comes together and I have to apply the HR lens to people and structures and talent and consulting leaders in those jobs. And, you know, I'm glad I passed Bill Christie's finance class, probably not by as much as I should have. I'm glad I took Nancy Lee Hires' classes. It, it all's really come together um, in work, but my career has been a series of running to the fire, business opportunity, a lot of merger and acquisition, and uh, a lot of globality, which has been fun. And
0: are there, are there human capital challenges that are unique to the world of tech? I mean, you've been
1: your whole career, in yeah, track, right. Do you feel like there's unique challenges there. Uh, well, I think there's certainly human capital challenges in groups that have a a high degree of innovation. So tech certainly is is a hallmark for that. There's other industries that have innovation, but certainly your business structures can change quite quickly. So the the concept of hierarchy and These linear career paths and business units come and go very quickly in tech. Organizational structures come and go. You can be in multiple different markets. I think the mindset of an an engineer and what motivates somebody from a career and what they want, they don't all want to be people managers. How do you have parallel career tracks for your best technologists that allow them Financial opportunity, I think, how do you create compensation structures against some more classic managerial structured organizations? Certainly, uh, institutional knowledge only goes so far. The new innovators are coming, and so how do you have a flat enough organization that allows new entrants to come in quickly and from a human capital perspective create enough structure where you can have sustained values sustained career paths certainly have been challenged quite a bit on how people want to work they want to work remotely they want to work when they want to work and and tech has been at the forefront often of um, the the workplace experience and so i think being open to not seeing your employees every day and are they being productive? Is that a thing? and and on the flip side, are people overworking? I think that you find quite a bit of that in tech that people have too long a work day and too long a work week and you see a lack, whether it shows up in the number of new patents or a number of of new innovations. if people burn themselves out, it doesn't work. So you see a lot of, Approaches in human capital to all sorts of things that people think are just weird perquisites. Well, gee, why do they have pet walkers come in? And why do they have you know uh, what they have in concierge service? But I think they're unique challenges of a bunch of people who are so self-driven. How do you push and pull on that drive for optimal productivity? It's yeah. been quite a quite an interesting ride in tech for sure. And now when you.
0: And now, when you think about MBAs coming out of Owen oh, today, uh, what kind of attributes are you looking for
1: in students? and has that changed much in the last few years? sure we're we're fortunate enough as a company in an industry to actually do a, a fair amount of hiring from the graduate space. And I've seen quite a bit of change in that. yeah, you know, certainly the core Skills still ring true. You need people who can develop good business plans, who have strong financial acumen. Uh, I see an increasing need for the people to be sensitive to how work and team dynamics occur. So even your, your hard quantitative roles need to have a softer edge around people and motivational theory work is changing and so uh, data analytics predictive analytics big data applying those to to complex problems we certainly want to see mbas who have a sensitivity to data and can apply that not just the extraction of data but how are you creating markets how are markets shaping and changing You need people who are confident but don't have a lot of ego. I talk to a lot of people about that, and it's actually a hard combination. So as we look for people, you have to have the ability to quickly make the complex simple. You have to have the ability to convey and argue for your point, but you can't come at it with bravado. And I'm stamped as an MBA doesn't hold... um, The other thing we really want people to do, and and it's tough, is I think we see a lot of the MBAs come out and want more of a rotational experience. They want to dabble and do things, yet the investment a company has to make to acquire a a top school MBA is fairly substantial. And, And so you want people to be putting more roots down than they may want to, whether it's roots in a division, a job type, or a location. So, I think people coming out of school who have a really definitive three, five, seven year plan and what's important to them and can articulate that and really test with the companies they're going with, can you can you thrive there? Mm-hmm. versus looking at that next job. We look for people who want to have that three, five, seven year experience with us, and we're not going to be the perfect match for everybody. but I think, the more the MBAs can come out with that plan. And I think that's more intentional now than it was in years past. I think the investment continues, you know, for people to get the MBA, it's a big investment of time. People want that return on investment. I think the opportunity of other people coming into the marketplace and competing for those jobs with those skill sets is broad, broad. So... we we do want people who are more well-rounded and have a better sense of where they're going than maybe a few years ago where we were just looking for the biggest brain.
0: Yeah yeah and then you get involved in leadership development across their career and um, you know when you think about leaders progressing in an organization I, I think this is particularly true in technology you get the engineers who are really good at something, and yeah. then they uh, get uh, some promotions and some leadership opportunities, and and suddenly, what they were really good at—whether you know, it was coding or some technical engineering school—becomes less and less relevant. Um, how do you how do you get people to stop doing what they're good at and grow into <laughs> these new roles?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it's one of the top leadership challenges that that we have, and most firms have, is when you identify if, if you're intentional around leadership development and you identify a high potential person, they're really high potential but they're good at something. As you said, you know, take a technology background. Having them try something different is hard and, and succeeding is hard and, and people don't like to be pushed into different comfort zones. One of the techniques we have is try to have more people who have lived that journey and lived to tell the tale in a positive way it's one thing for HR to come in or even a well-intended CEO to come in and say, hey, it's good for you, Mike or Eric, to go do this other thing. It's another to have somebody who was you 5, 7, 10 years ago come talk to you about, hey, this worked for me and didn't work for me, and I was able to get to this leadership level because I've taken those opportunities. Our, our new CEO, Antonio Neri, who just started, actually grew up in the company – He came, he was in a call center to start with and has done all the jobs engineering, other. And he's had this leadership challenge of how to not only convey his tale, having lived in services and technology, but to relate to people who are steeped in one discipline. And so I'd say first, you have to, what's in it for them at the end? To get anybody to do something that feels like developmental whether it's go to the gym or, you know, eat the right thing, what's in it for you that makes it worthwhile. People tend to be especially high potential, you know, wanting to learn. So showing how you're going to support the learning and and having that environment and leadership development, not just, you know, drop them off into the ocean in the new world that they're unfamiliar with and sink and swim. What are the tools that they're going to use to be successful? But I think if, if you're a, a person who wants these other opportunities, you also have to be prepared to be a little vulnerable and to ask for help. And so making that easy for high potential people to do, checking back in with them because you know, people are super successful, don't like to do new things, don't like to ask for help. So making that environment as, as easy to do as possible are some of the things we, we do to help the, the person stop doing what they're good at And I like the way you asked the question because the other thing is as people grow, and you've learned this probably yourself coming into your your current role versus past roles, what made you successful in the past role is part of who you are and your natural comfort zone but may not be what makes you successful in the new role. So how do you hold a mirror up to those things is is part of what we do.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh, turn and look down the road a little bit. Um, you know, when you think about the workforce of 2025, it's really not that far away, yeah. but, uh, but certainly things are changing quickly and millennials think differently about their work styles and patterns and, and the way companies can best engage uh, the changing workforce. Tell us a little bit about uh, what, what you think the workforce of the future is going to look like and how it's going to be different, what the implications are for those leading
1: Well, I think the implications for those leading and looking at 2025, and it is close, uh, really close, is that data and information is expanding, and we talk about uh, that a lot, but at a, a rate that's unprecedented. If you think of the amount of consumption data that is available on any individual and artificial intelligence that moved from uh, simple robotics replacing classic manufacturing lines to uh, countries like Japan where you see a lot of the service industry being much more automated, being much more robotic. And the business intelligence coming from all this information, being more predictive, people being more self-service, I think the nature of work is changing to where information will be open-sourced if you you juxtapose a little bit to tech which was very proprietary and then started to move to open-source software engineering and other your ability as a company to continue to use data in a way to organize your work that you're gaining productivity out of the people because more and more it's substituting tasks is going to happen that that ship has sailed Business intelligence is going to get more and more predictive. Things like classic marketing are going to be much more customized. So I, I see the work of the future is still going to be there. I think people are going to have to continue to solve problems for people. People are going to have to continue to figure out how to position solutions in a way that work for individuals, communities, and overall consumption. But I see teams increasingly being and organizations being uh, more commingled people on projects more than long-term assignments i think the ability to share and port information and as you mentioned the millennials but even ongoing people kind of voting on what they want to do and being motivated in different ways companies have to compartmentalize their work in a way that's much more portable much less big hierarchy manager tells another manager a third manager and so how can you differentiate yourself in that environment is going to be a question employees ask managers who are used to managing in much more of a command and control way and I hold information or I hold institutional knowledge that's becoming more and more open sourced or more and more organically created every day at the point of where you connect with people we see it changing quite a bit i think you're going to see more people having to take information and translate it into thoughts and ideas and outcomes versus creators of information so going from big data analytics offices where they were just pulling in a lot of data to you know the inevitable what do you do with that data so I think the, the world of work is going to be people who can really shape and run with information in real time and sustain that differentiation. I see people who have a point of view on brand, on marketing, coming back around. That's going to be very important. You know, certainly industries that are, are heavy bricks and mortar, heavy manufacturing, will be very dramatically transformed, not just by, by Robotics, but by the ability to do work in a more information age from most parts of the planet. We see, and I see personally a little bit of a, a slowdown on the chase for labor arbitrage where if you go back five or 10 years, people were trying to you know, the classic in quotations offshore. So sure. just try to get the same job done less expensively somewhere. Uh, that's still always going to be prevalent, but people are seeing the ability to run an integrated corporation well in multiple parts of the world can be difficult. The, the, the cost advantages of certain parts of the world are, are in some ways sunk costs that they happen once, and then you're never going to have that amount of efficiency again. So I, I see information at the heart. I see globality and, and the barriers to, to global being less and less. And I see organizations being flat and managers who want to attract the brightest minds who will solve the problems have to have a value proposition for those employees that is inspirational and that those career paths will not be as linear and, you know, from job one to job two to supervisor one to supervisor two. So I see a big shift that matches a lot of the entrepreneurial pieces we see here where people will get paid in advancement more through their contribution in some ways you know gain sharing knowledge sharing some of those classic things come back around but i think leaders will have to deal with are you willing to either have a collective outcome one for all and there's some of that where people are are very communal or highly differentiated that's based on a specific outcome that your newest employee, your youngest person, may make more than your classic person who's been there a long time, and are you okay with that? <laughs> and that's a, yeah. a big management challenge for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, then if you kind of put that together, thinking about you know, our recent graduates or, or some of our alum down the road, if they're kind of looking to prepare and thinking about skating to that puck, what should they be thinking about doing, and maybe what are some things that they should watch out for—behaviors or or things they're doing now that they got to learn to to let go of?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that people should try to do, and and, and give myself the same advice, is to be open to multiple industries. I, I think people believe that they are a healthcare or a tech or a heavy manufacturing and. The business challenges, the transformations, the way customer acquisition is going to occur, there's a lot more commonality than people realize. And so I think if you're going to prepare yourself to be more portable and more marketable in the general world, the more you can network, learn about those other industries and see how your core skill sets can be applicable to the business challenges that they have. I think everybody really, and I've mentioned customer a few times because it's very top of brain, I think if you don't understand fundamentally how a business acquires customers, makes money, sustains differentiation, you're not going to be able to compete in the world going forward. So I I come from a, a functional area, so I'm in HR. But if I don't understand the the business outcome, it's going to be hard because the, the role of HR, as we talked a little bit about earlier, is going to change. The technology is going to change uh, how talent management is done, how recruiting is done. So if, if my skill set is in talent management and recruiting, I'm at risk. If my skill set is in how do you apply talent in a great way for an organization that leans on direct selling or an organization that's heavy into personal marketing, or whatever the industries you're interested in, find a way to be marketable. Be inquisitive about what's happening in multiple industries. I think you have to be a constant learner. One of the benefits of being on this series or being part of an extended community at Owen is you have access to new information. Constantly learning and being open to accepting new challenges, I think, are what people are going to have to do. I think to skate to the puck, if, if you're hung up on title and level, it's going to be hard. I, I think you're going to have to be open to... Uh, certainly you can create a sphere of influence that matches any title. So what's important to you? Is managing people important to you? Find areas that require that. If wealth creation is important to you, find companies that will reward what you're doing in but i think classic definitions of jobs classic definitions of well i expected to be an svp by x date in my career the more open you are that there's multiple paths to getting to what you want and the clearer you are with yourself in what's important to you uh, go for that and just be true to that and 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 know it so take the time to be Inquisitive, always learning, but truthful with yourself on what is the most important thing would be advice I would have for me or anybody else.
0: Well, Mike Dallas, thank you so much for yeah, spending it's been the pleasure. last
1: two days with us. And uh,
0: we are great benefactors of your knowledge and, and wisdom. And uh, our students uh, have benefited a lot from the program. So thanks for spending the time with us at Vanderbilt. Great. Happy to be here. Thanks to Dean Johnson and Mike Dallas for their time this week. And thank you for listening. You can find more stories and information about Owen by visiting our website, business.vanderbilt.edu, or following at Vanderbilt Owen on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Music provided by Mike Foster.